0: Tiffany and I are excited to kind of share with you how our relationship got all mixed up, and we realize that every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at People's Church. We realize some of you have been coming since Easter, and you're new to People's Church. So we thought the best way to begin our message today is just to share a little bit of our story and our history with you today.
1: Yes, I love telling this story. Um, Herbert and I met in 1996 at Evangel University. And I was a freshman, he was a senior, I was a cheerleader, he was a football player. And I remember when I got to campus and the girls were telling me all about the people that I should get to know. And they told me about this guy named Cooper. And they said, Tiffany, here's the thing about Cooper. He really loves the Lord. Like he doesn't just talk about the Lord, he actually lives for the Lord. And all I could think was... Oh, my goodness, I will probably never meet him, but if I could just have friends like that, life would be good. Then you fast forward, and one day I was walking through chapel on our campus, and somebody called me over, and that person asked me my name, and I gave him my name, and then I asked that person their name, and he said, Cooper, and I said, Herbert Cooper.
0: I had her right there, y'all. I had her. I
1: was like, oh, uh, hey, hey, hey,
0: hey, yeah, Herbert, the Herbert Cooper.
1: I, I was too excited, people. I have to tell you, it's a bit embarrassing to think back to those days. But I was so excited to meet him, and we started to talk and get to know each other. And then I asked him to our Girl Ask Guy event called Harvest Fest. And he said, yes. And we went on our first date. And here's the thing. He brought me back to the dorms after our first date. And he said, can I pray for you? Can I pray for our friendship? And I thought, yes, you can. And he prayed for us. Yeah.
0: He prayed. Hey, hey single brothers, you <laughs> look. Hey, I will help you out right now. I didn't pray yes. for her after any other dates. But that first one, <laughs> I love the Lord. Let's oh my pray.
1: Oh, Oh, and he prayed for us, and I went back to my dorm that night, and I told all the girls in my dorm, ladies, I am going to marry that man. And we kept talking, and we kept getting to know each other, and we fell in love. And then in 1997, we were engaged to be married. And you can check out our engagement photo right here.
0: Come on, y'all. How about that denim on denim?
1: What's up?
0: Little denim on denim back in the 90s, baby. Yes. And we got engaged in the summer of 1997. And then we decided to get married in December. And people ask why. And if you're new, let me tell you why. Because the Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. And Tiffany was burning up to be next to me. And so we had to get that ring on, on our fingers so we could go ahead there. You know what I'm saying, but that's, let me, let me fast forward. And, uh, so Tiffany and I, like every relationship, every marriage, we did not start dating and get engaged and get married thinking this is going to be horrible. We hope we hate each other. Let's get married so in a year from now we don't want to talk to one another. Let's just argue, fuss, and fight all the time. Let's get married because. We're just going to be all mixed up when we do. No, 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 no. Nobody gets married thinking that. We we got married thinking we love God. We both feel a call to full-time vocational ministry. We're sold out to the Lord, and this is going to be awesome. We're going to get married. It's going to be amazing, and then we got married, and reality hit.
1: Yeah, and like so many couples in this room, we had a dream for our future together, and we were so excited about our life and our marriage and the ministry that we were called to, but then something happened, and for so many of us, something happens. Sometimes it's one month in, sometimes it's six months in, a year in, three years in, But issues, intentions, and frustrations, they start to enter the marriage. And, you know, sometimes we joke in uh, Christian pastoral homes that it's called intense moments of fellowship. But still, (laughs) it was frustration nonetheless. And, you know, we had these dreams and things were not turning out the way that we thought they would, and it created a lot of frustration for us.
0: Yeah, we, we have our notes with us because we're going to also teach from God's Word today because we are a Bible-believing church and believe in the inspired Word of God. And so we're going to look to God's Word as we share our journey with you. And we want to talk with you just from this thought, silent frustrations, because we had a lot of that in our marriage, silent frustrations. And when you think about silent frustrations, you think about uh, Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter number 12. God gave them this incredible, amazing promise for their life, for their marriage, for their future. It's a promise that every couple would love to have over their life and marriage. And here's the promise in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, the Lord has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, and here they are, have this incredible promise for God. They're going to be blessed. Their their, their, their name's going to be great. Their their the, their lineage are, is going to be blessed. I mean, what a way to begin marriage! What a great way to begin this this journey of following Jesus with this promise, with this blessing. And yet, when you continue to read their story, uh, Abraham and Sarah have a lot of silent frustrations.
1: Yes, in Genesis 12, you see that they leave their family and their homeland. And I can't help but think that Sarah had a little tension or frustration leaving the people she loved and the place that she knew, not knowing where they were going. And then you continue reading in Genesis 13, and their nephew, Lot, splits off from the family, and he chooses the better land. Talk about family frustrations. And family frustrations come in all varieties, and I know after our honeymoon, Herbert and I, um, we moved away from family, and we moved to a place apart from family, starting life on our own, and there were frustrations in establishing ourselves away from family. Um, And, you know, the Bible says over and over that a husband and wife are to leave and cleave and become one flesh. And you see in Genesis 2, 24, Matthew 19, 5, Mark 10, 8, and Ephesians 5, 31, where it says, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. But the thing is, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how to do that. And Herbert and I didn't know how to do that when we entered marriage. And, you know, prior to marriage, I would go to my parents for advice and counsel. What I didn't realize was that after marriage, that that boundary would change a bit. And that I would instead go to Herbert first. But not realizing this, I made some missteps Um, that brought some frustration to our relationship. Um, And so I think one of the the things that was challenging is that um, there's feelings involved. And so I felt bad feeling like I was now leaving my parents out. And because I didn't know how to do this well, I just kind of stopped going to them. Um, because I I cared about Herbert, and I didn't want him to feel that his counsel and advice didn't matter. Um, and so we just, we didn't navigate this part of our relationship very well at first. Um, because honestly, I didn't know that it was going to be a boundary. Um, and so if I could go back and give myself some advice before marriage, these are some things that I would have told myself To understand that healthy relationships have boundaries. Boundaries aren't bad. Boundaries are beneficial. I would also say, discuss what makes one another feel respected and disrespected. Clarity is kind. It is kind to know how your spouse feels in situations. Um, You know, a few months into our marriage, we had a plumbing issue. And my instinct right away was to call my dad and find out what I should do without even bringing Herbert into the conversation. And this didn't sit well with Herbert because he felt disrespected because I wasn't even asking, as a married couple, how should we proceed?
0: Let me say now, see, her parents live in Nebraska. We're living in Missouri. Like. Let me help with the toilet problem. You know what I mean? Your daddy, he's he not going to come with the plunger <laughs> from Nebraska. You know, so we, that, that was a real, that was tension in, in our marriage.
1: It was. And, um, yeah, it was just an uh, instinct. And, but it was something that I was able to gain clarity and understanding about how that made Herbert feel so that we could establish a boundary that would benefit us in our relationship and interacting with our family so that we wouldn't create family frustration um, with that. Um, I would also say a third thing is that um, I would tell myself to acknowledge that it is a necessary transition that will feel bumpy. Um, So just because boundaries are good doesn't mean they won't feel bumpy. And it's okay. It takes time to figure those out. And even if you have been married 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, It is not too late to establish boundaries that will benefit your relationship.
0: I think this is huge because some of you can relate. You're dealing with frustrations with family because you've never really sat down and established your boundaries. So I I meet couples that have been married for years but are still having family frustrations because they never sat down and got clarity. And clarity is kind so you both understand the boundaries as you interact with each other's families.
1: Yeah, and another area um, that can cause family frustration is in the area what we would call gossip, and so, um, you know, it's common for a relationship business to kind of float around from family member to family member, um, getting changed along the way, um, and getting elaborated on, and so for us, when we...
0: How many of y'all got some family like that, some family, was they're always talking about family business, come on, lift them hands, and yeah, you know, what? you're like, I
1: don't know if I want to yeah. be
0: on the family gossip train, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yes, so we knew going into marriage, that we wanted to be wise about what we shared with family, Um, I think that the frustration came in that um, there was um, a challenge in knowing what is too much to share and what is okay to share. And so that took some time to figure out. Um, And I just want to say that family can be a great support Um, But if we're not careful, we will put a wedge between our family and our spouse. It's so um, important that you think about what you're communicating. If you're always going to your family out of frustration, talking negatively about your spouse then they're probably going to have negative thoughts about your spouse if they only hear the bad and never the good. Um, I think you also have to be careful that when you go to family that you're not trying to make yourself out to be the angel or blameless as though you have no part in what happens in the relationship. Um, You just have to be so careful about how you're communicating Um, and to realize that your words do shape how they think about your spouse, um, and so you know this is a line that sometimes can be hard, and it doesn't mean that you don't go to your family for support or for advice, but it simply means that you need to be aware that what you're saying does impact how your family views your spouse, and can either create more frustration or alleviate frustration.
0: I think that's so so huge and so important. We can say things. And frame up things about our spouse or in a dating relationship, even in business partnerships, you can frame up things and frame up somebody in a way that is inaccurate because you're talking out of frustrations. And then they wonder why everybody's acting weird towards them, but it's because of what you're communicating and coming out of your mouth. And we got to process that uh, in our relationships. I, 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 I say one of the family frustrations that, that I had, uh, really we both shared this, was when we were dating uh, we received a letter from a family member uh, that said, we disagree with you all dating and because of the color of my skin. And what, what jumped out to us was this, this individual loved God with all their heart, went to church every single Sunday, loved the scriptures. And just because you love God and love the scriptures doesn't mean that you don't have prejudice and racism in your heart. And so it was something that we had to navigate through. It brought us closer together. We had to work through it. We had to talk through it. We had to process through it. But it was a, it was a source of, of frustration for us. And I would say another family frustration that was really big uh, early on in marriage, and it took me a while just to kind of figure out how to navigate it, was when, when I would show up at Tiffany's family's home, uh, some of her relatives were just uh, strongly opinionated, and so they had strong opinions and beliefs. And I have a strong opinions and beliefs, and so they would share their opinions and beliefs. And my 22, 23 year old self would well, let me tell you what I think, and I would let them know what I think, and we just would go back and forth. And I wasn't backing down at all. And I, and at the time, I just I was naive, I was immature. I I didn't realize the goal in every conversation is not to have to be right. And so I just had to learn. I had to really grow here because there was tension and there was frustration. And I had to learn, you know what? I I learned to listen and then give my opinion. There's a way that you can disagree and still be loving. You can disagree and still be kind. I had to learn the art of listening and disagreeing with being kind and loving. And then I had to learn this. There are some things just not worth debating about. So I would just let them. I've just learned. You talk. I listen. I disagree. And I'd go, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm past the grave y'all it gets past the grave <laughs> like I'm not going to waste my breath debating with you I just had to grow and mature like why am I trying to change your mind I've been trying like I haven't changed it jet why am I trying now I'm going to eat my cranberry sauce and move on so you got to just learn and grow it's about peace and not always having to be right so I had to learn that
1: yes and also in relation to family um we experienced a lot of frustration every time we prepared to visit family. And generally, for probably at least five to eight years, um, this would result in me in tears and Herbert annoyed and frustrated, and we just didn't know how to navigate this whole uh, topic of how are we going to interact when we go to family? Because what was happening, I'll let you in, what was happening is that I was so excited to see my family that I kind of lost some of my... Vantage point of how I was making Herbert feel in my excitement. And so um, he would often say, when we're with your family, I feel like you say things that are disrespectful and you say things that are hurtful. And I was unaware of that. He said, when you're with your family, you change. Which basically probably meant I was reverting back to some behaviors that we had already worked through in our relationship. And so for us, once we were able to um, dial in that this is a pattern in our relationship, that... Every time we prepare to visit family, we have frustration and we have conflict. And so we were able to then really talk about it. And here are some things that um, we were able to identify when we... Uh, talked about this topic was that um, I decided I was going to pay more attention to my words and actions and how I was making him feel disrespected. This meant that I had to be really dialed in and tuned in to what I was doing and saying while I was around my family to see if there was um, discrepancy. Another was that we had to come up with a plan that worked for both of us so that we could make these trips enjoyable and that helped so, so much. Once we talked, understood the situation, we were were able to come up with boundaries and a plan that made these trips more enjoyable for us. And Proverbs 18.2 says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. And Proverbs 1.5 says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. And, you know, Herbert and I, we gained um, renewed health in our relationship when we listened to one another for understanding and then took that understanding and put it to action.
0: Agreed, and I had to do that first verse, stop being a fool, but that's a whole another topic that we'll talk about next week in part number two of how we yeah. really overcame a lot of these silent frustrations. And as you look back into uh, Genesis chapter 13 through chapter 15, Abraham and Sarah could not get pregnant and they're getting older. And this was a frustration for them because when they left Haran to follow God and they had this dream in their mind and their heart, we're going to have this promised child. God promised this child to us and this dream was not turning out the way they thought it would and they ended up frustrated over it. And Tiffany and I have been frustrated with our dreams thinking this is the dream of our marriage. This is what an ideal marriage should look like. And when we got married, I really just had some unrealistic expectations. If you've missed some of the series and this series, some of the messages, go back on YouTube and watch the messages. But I came in with unrealistic expectations when it came to sex, when it came to intimacy, when it came to conflict, when it came to communication. I just I brought a lot of wrong thinking into our marriage on what an ideal dream marriage should look like. And the, the, the number one thing I really believe that, that I had a dream about that really got bursted was I dreamed that our marriage was better than what it really was. I, I had this, this, this dream because I didn't listen well. I wasn't dialed into how Tiffany's feelings, how she felt. I wasn't creating a safe place for her to talk. And then Tiffany was being silent and it caused me to believe that our marriage was better than what it really was. And boy, when I found out, that it was not what I thought it was, my goodness, it was, I was living in a false dream world. James chapter one and verse 19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. This scripture right here will change every relationship if we, if, if we applied it. Everyone should be quick to listen. I wasn't quick to listen. I was quick to talk. Slow to speak. I wasn't slow to speak. I was quick to speak and it was causing damage in my marriage And slow to become angry. I wasn't slow to become angry. I was getting irritated. I was angry. I was irritable. I was frustrated. And it was causing great, great pain in our marriage relationship.
1: Yes. And I had a dream that basically our marriage would be perfect, that we would champion one another's dreams, that we would be able to navigate any difficulty with no conflict, you know, that um, I would be his greatest cheerleader and he'd be my greatest cheerleader. And I just had this fairy tale view of how every day of our marriage would feel and look And the reality was very different, which led to a lot of frustration, a lot of tears, and a lot of disappointment. Um, And I also think that I had this dream in life um, that I created myself in my own wants and desires, that we would be just like walking hand in hand, um, accomplishing great things, um, that we would just... um, be together every waking moment, building this life. And what I didn't realize is that I was creating a dream that was different than what God had purposed for me. And so um, Herbert and I, we have very different personalities. We have very different strengths and abilities. And I was not um, accepting who God had created me to be. I wanted to be like Herbert. I wanted to live life just in step with Herbert. And what happened was God had to come and reveal to me that he has a dream and a purpose for my life. And once I was able to align my dreams with God's dreams for my life, I found so much more peace. So much of that internal frustration that I felt was eliminated. Um, And I love what Proverbs 3, five through six says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. You know, I began to experience more of God's goodness in my life when I placed my trust in him and not my own wants, my own abilities, and my own desires. Um, And not only did I experience increased confidence in myself um, and in who God created me to be, but we experienced greater peace in our relationship and it actually made our relationship stronger when we, when I especially embraced um, our differences as strengths.
0: I had to embrace our, our differences yeah. as well. And I, I would just say, whenever you have these dreams that are out of alignment, yeah. uh, you can find yourself like Abraham and Sarah. And in Genesis chapter 16, uh, Sarah tells Abraham to sleep with Hagar and he he does and she becomes pregnant because they have this dream that's not happening they way the way they thought it should happen and now there's silent frustrations and 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 it led them to conceiving and giving birth to a child that end up causing problems and challenges in their marriage because whenever we have dreams and then we start running ahead of god we can start birthing burdens instead of birthing blessings and they were birthing burdens instead of blessings. And some of you can find yourself there today that you're running ahead of God in your relationship. You're, you're, you're struggling. There's challenges. And you're birthing burdens instead of blessings. And Tiffany and I, when we got married, run, I was running ahead of God. I had these dreams that weren't happening. And, and I had all of these issues I brought into our marriage. And, and one of my greatest issues I brought into our marriage was trust. And had no idea that trust was eroding, a lack of trust was eroding our dreams from coming to pass. I came into our marriage with uh, been a victim of sexual abuse and my parents' divorce and emotional wounds and scars and pains and wrong thoughts and unresolved and unspoken issues. And it just created mistrust in our marriage. I really, when we got married, I didn't realize how important trust was. I really thought that we could build a great marriage and relationship with having shaky trust for one another. If I just kind of trusted Tiffany, our marriage would be great. And I didn't realize trust is the foundation. It's the foundation to build a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship. A relationship with no trust is like a car with no gas. You can stay in it, but it won't go anywhere. And a lot of people are in relationships, whether it's marriage, dating, friendship, parenting and children, whether it's work and career, they're in relationships and they don't have trust. And they're expecting that relationship to move forward, to flourish, to build, to grow. And they're in the car together, but they're going nowhere because they don't have the gas of trust. And so I would just say building trust I had to learn that I had to really get healthy. I'm going to talk to you more about that next week. I had to get healthy so that I could begin to really trust Tiffany and we could begin to build and grow our marriage.
1: Yes, and, you know, earlier I said that I did not like conflict, but honestly, I just tried to avoid it all together. And somewhere in my childhood, I received a message that conflict is bad and peace even a false sense of peace is good. And I was really relying on this false sense of peace that wasn't even there.
0: Let me say this, but yeah. I think this is important for people to know. So yeah. Tiffany grew up in a home where she didn't see arguments and fussing and fighting. The, the, the conflict didn't ever happen in front of her. So it gave her this false sense of peace that, that yeah. working through conflict, I mean, there, there, was, there was this yeah. silence when it came to it. I grew up the exact opposite. It was loud. Like, there's drama going on right now. Hide, duck. So, I mean, so we just grew up in two different worlds on conflict. Yes.
1: And so I wanted to keep the peace so badly that I would not share my feelings. Um, I would um, even try to um, not be dishonest with myself, but I just even convinced myself that it's really not, as bad as I think, you know, and so it wasn't fair for our relationship for me to do that, and what happened was any time I sensed conflict, I immediately went to protect and deflect. And so if something felt uncomfortable, I would put up a wall to protect myself and deflect the conflict and the bad feeling. And what happened is over time, wall after wall came up in my heart and it affected our relationship because I was just so um, focused on protecting myself and deflecting anything bad that we couldn't have healthy conversations. Um, I had many walls, and walls kept me from speaking honestly about how I felt. Walls kept me from being vulnerable and giving my full and true self to Herbert. Walls kept me from dealing with the root issues of not only our relationship, but even deeper than that, my root issues. Um, Walls gave birth to insecurity, isolation, and an illusion of peace. And walls cause me to make poor decisions, which actually makes me think about the next portion of scripture in Genesis 16, and this is where Sarah despises Hagar because she has a baby, and she is frustrated with her own poor decisions. And like Sarah, we can become frustrated with our own poor decisions. Um, and, you know, and there were things that Herbert and I desired for our marriage and things that we desired from God and for God to do. But he had to work in us first. And um, and yet, I know I was guilty of trying to make these things happen in my own strength.
0: Yeah, I want to say this whole rushing ahead of God, one of the my biggest faults, and I, I had a lot, so I don't want to minimize it, but I would say I didn't realize all my mistrust, my condescending words, by trying to change Tiffany. I didn't realize the impact it was having on her. And so it took years to cause the damage and I wanted the damage to be fixed in days. Uh, I wanted to hurry up. I'm tired of talking about it. Let's stop crying. Let's quit uh, another date night, here we go again. I'm gonna hear about it again. And I, and I wanted to hurry up the healing process Uh, in our relationship and move forward. And that was me running ahead of God. And I had to get patient and grow and learn and listen and listen and learn and grow and listen and learn. And make a make adjustments from what I was learning and gaining.
1: Mm, That's good, babe. Um, In Genesis eighteen, we find that Sarah laughs at God. She is frustrated with God, and you know the circumstances of our lives can cause us to become frustrated with God. And during our most season, uh, difficult season of marriage, I just I became frustrated at God. I became hopeless in our situation, and where we were in our relationship. And I remember having thoughts like this. I think our marriage is good as it's ever going to get. I'm not sure we'll ever heal from these silent frustrations. I remember thinking, I'm not who I wanted to be. I will never meet Herbert's needs. I remember thinking, too much time has passed. My dreams will never happen now. I don't recognize the person I've become. I don't think I'll ever get back to the me that I used to know. And I remember thinking I was giving my best, and I couldn't understand how we ended up in such a place of frustration. And Proverbs 19.3 and the message version says, people ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? Ouch. Isn't that true? We can get so frustrated at God when it's our own choices that get us to the place that we are. It's our own lack of wisdom. And as the message says, it's our own stupidity that gets us in trouble.
0: Yeah, we've We've never shared this publicly until today, but um, the hopelessness was was real for us. Um, We weren't thinking divorce, but it wasn't good. And we were in Boston, every year we go on a trip together without the kids. And we were in Boston, Massachusetts, there to sightsee, enjoy one another, deepen our love. And we found ourselves in a hotel room arguing, tears, angry at each other, uh, it was bad. And then, you know, you're arguing at night, and then you're, you're, there's no kids to distract you in the day, and now we're supposed to go sightsee, sightsee, sightsee together, and, and that was horrible. You know, me and Tim, when we think about Boston, we think, oh, my gosh, that was horrible. That was, that was horrible. Walking around, looking at history, and not wanting to talk to, each, uh, talk to each other. And our marriage in a bad place, our marriage strained, and I was thinking crazy thoughts. And here we are, Christians, pastors, love God, and our heart is full of frustration, tension, hopelessness, that our marriage can really move forward and get better. And we're going to talk more about this next week and give you some real, real solutions. But I want you to know this, the power of God is real. The hope and the power that we find in Jesus is powerful and can minister to your life today. And here's what I know right now. I felt this in my heart as we were preparing to talk to you today. There are marriages here that feel hopeless. There are people here that are in dating relationships that feel hopeless. There's some of you with your children and children with your parents. It feels hopeless. There are some of you in your career and relationships at your work, at your school that feel hopeless. And and you're dealing with silent frustrations. But here's the opposite. Some of you are not dealing with silent frustrations. You're dealing with loud frustrations. It's loud. It's verbal. There's pain. There's hurt. There's tension. There's wounds. And I want you to know that we serve a God that can heal, that can turn things around, that can give a breakthrough. And listen, we're a living witness. Our, Our 23, this will be 24 years of marriage this year. It hasn't all been easy. There's been challenges, rough times, rough patches, hopelessness, but we did not give up, and we kept trusting God. And we do serve a God that can turn your situation and relationship around. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And we want to minister to you right now. At all of our locations online at all the campuses if you're dealing with silent frustration a relationship that seems like it, it just can't be fixed it, maybe it's your marriage maybe it's dating maybe it's with your your parents maybe it's with your children maybe it's at your career maybe it's another family member it's a friendship whatever it is we want to pray for you and believe god will turn it around the power of god can invade that relationship today and begin to bring change and to begin to bring healing and we want to pray God's power to touch your relationship today, wherever you are, at every location. If you want God to show up, no matter what the relationship is, there's some tension, there's some strain. You need God's power to show up. Would you just stand right where you are? We're going to pray over you today. Just go ahead, just begin to stand up. That every location. That's it. Uh, Midwest city, go ahead and stand right now. That's it. These are standing right now. Come on, Northwest, just begin to stand. Indianapolis, in your living room, just begin to stand. Uh, just, we we want to pray for you. Maybe you're with your spouse right now, and there's been tension in your marriage, and your home you need God to help what a great time even if you don't like each other right now just to grab a hand and as we pray over you would you pray over your spouse and let's pray over your relationships God is going to move and turn it around come on would you receive this prayer right now come on receive this prayer right now
1: Lord today we lift up every person who is listening to this message. Father, I pray for the relationships that are experiencing tension and frustration, where there is pain and hurt. Lord, in the relationships where walls have been built, would you come and begin to move, Father? Would you open hearts to want to understand, Lord, to open hearts to trust your word and your promise that says that you can restore what is broken, that you can bring life to the things that feel hopeless. God, I pray right now in hearts that hope would be birthed, Father. I pray that people in this room would trust you to do a work. So God, would you move by your power? Would you move by your spirit, God? Would you begin to restore the places that need your power in Jesus name we pray.
0: Father, do in the name of Jesus. We speak healing right now. Healing, healing. He heal. the Holy Spirit would flow and flood. Holy Spirit, feel. Holy Spirit, work. Holy Spirit, move in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's healing. There's healing. There's healing. Holy Spirit, turn it around. Holy Spirit, let there be forgiveness. Holy Spirit, let walls come down. Holy Spirit, move. I thank you right now in the power in the name of Jesus that you're flooding relationships and you're flooding hearts and you're flooding minds. Oh, move and heal right now. Come on, somebody just begin to lift your hands around the place at all the locations. Let the Holy Spirit move right now. Come on, Pastor Shannon, begin to lead us right now. There's healing flowing right now. Now there's healing flowing right now. Turn it around, Lord. Come on, in Midwest City, Lord, turn it around. At Northwest, turn it around. At Indianapolis, turn turn it around. around. Online, touch relationships, Lord.